Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 82. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color Podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and in particular how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update, we have now identified a potential publisher and have submitted a draft of the final manuscript to them for their consideration and they have indicated that they will require about 14 days to peruse the manuscript and confirm if it meets their publishing standards. So I'm waiting for them to finish with their review and give me their final decision. And now to this week's podcast, where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 46th week of 2023, and that is from Monday the 13th to Friday the 17th of November. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where inflation in the month of October was at its lowest level in the past two years, providing a signal that price pressures were easing off and giving the Federal Reserve the green light to stop raising interest rates. According to data from the U.S. Labor Department, the Consumer Price Index which measures a broad basket of commonly used goods and services. This increased by 3.2% on an annual basis and was down from 4.1% in the month of September. Excluding volatile food and energy prices, the core consumer price index increased at a higher rate of 4%, indicating that the prices of other goods and services were rising faster than food and energy prices. Despite inflation being at its lowest level in the past two years, it still remains well above the Federal Reserve's target level of 2%, which is why the markets are still closely watching the central bank, even after it opted to hold interest rates steady at its last two policy meetings. And across the Atlantic, The Office for National Statistics revealed on Wednesday that inflation in the United Kingdom had also hit a two-year low as it fell sharply from 6.7% in September to 4.6% in the month of October. The core consumer price index, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, 
fell to an annual rate of 5.7% in October, and this was down from 6.1% in September. At its last policy meeting, the Bank of England decided to hold its benchmark interest rate unchanged at 5.25% and in the process brought to an end a run of 14 consecutive rate hikes as policymakers sought to bring inflation down towards the central bank's target level of 2%. In the U.S. stock market, November has been a great month for stocks as all the three major indices recorded their third consecutive week of gains. This past week, the upward momentum was fueled by U.S. inflation data, which hit a two-year low and signaled that the Fed's rate-hiking cycle may now be over. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended the day marginally higher at 34,947, whilst the S&P 500 added 0.13% to settle at 4,514, and the Nasdaq Composite crept up by 0.08% to end the session at 14,125. For the week, the Dow advanced by 1.9%, whilst the S&P 500 added 2.2%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq jumped by about 2.4%. And on the back of the red-hot November rally, the Dow has risen by 5.7% for the month, whilst the S&P is up by 7.6%, and the Nasdaq Composite has skyrocketed by an impressive 9.9% in a single month. In the U.S. bond market, yields were down sharply for the week, following the release of the Consumer Price Index for October, which came in much lower than expected, indicating that inflation may finally be cooling down and boosting hopes that the Fed was done with hiking interest rates. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond hit its lowest level in about two months as inflation hit a two-year low and signaled to investors that the Fed's rate-hiking campaign may finally be over. The yield on the 10-year bond briefly traded down at 4.37% before bouncing back to around 4.44%. Whilst the yield on the policy-sensitive two-year Treasury note also initially dipped before recovering more than six basis points to close the session at 4.9%. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil recovered on Friday after falling about 5% to a four-month low on Thursday, driven lower by increasing supplies, and this was in tandem with a slowdown in global demand. The decline in oil prices was mainly triggered by a steep increase in U.S. crude inventories, as well as signs of cooling demand from China, which is the world's largest importer of crude oil. On Friday, the price of Brent crude rose by 3.2% to $79.91 a barrel, whilst the price of the U.S. benchmark, West Texas Intermediate, this rose by 3% to $75.11 per barrel. Both benchmarks have lost about 16% of their value over the past four weeks, and prices were on track 
for their fourth consecutive week of losses. And meanwhile, Marben oil, which Kenya imports, was steady at $81.87 per barrel, compared to $81.59 the previous week. And for your information, the pricing for both oil futures contracts has now flipped to contango, which means that spot prices are now lower than future prices, and this usually indicates a healthy supply of crude oil. The opposite of contango is backwardation, and this is where spot prices are higher than future prices. In the precious metals market, the price of gold registered a massive weekly gain as the U.S. dollar weakened on the back of the lowest inflation rate in the past two years, which led to speculation that the Federal Reserve was done with tightening monetary policy. Following the slowing inflation data, the market is now pricing in rate cuts as early as May 2024. The prospect of lower interest rates has put downward pressure on Treasury yields as well as the U.S. dollar, but conversely enhanced the appeal for the non-yielding asset that is gold. And consequently, the price of spot gold was up about 2.3% for the week and closed for trade at $1,980 per ounce. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And as usual, we start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market, where the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the Central Bank of Kenya, the official exchange rate for the U.S. dollar was quoted at 152.11, compared to 151.53 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 156 shillings on the lower side, to above 160 shillings on the higher side. A random survey of commercial banks revealed that the lowest quote was by NCBA Bank at 156.50 and the highest rate was by Bank of Africa at 160 shillings flat. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 189.53, up from 185.80 the previous week, and the euro was valued at 165.26, up again from 161.67 the previous week. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 24.86 Ugandan shillings and 16.42 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.10. On a year-to-date basis, the Kenya shilling has depreciated by about 23% versus the U.S. dollar. And given this current trend, I expect that the shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 65% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 65 cents will go towards debt repayment. 
On foreign exchange reserves during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined by $68 million to $6.785 billion, which is equivalent to 3.64 months of import cover. This level of reserves is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. On diaspora remittances, the inflow of remittances in the month of October 2023 totaled $355 million, and this is compared to $332 million in October 2022, which was an increase of 6.9%. The cumulative inflows for the 12 months to October 2023 totaled $4.16 billion. The United States remains the largest source of remittances into the country, accounting for 54% of the total remittances that were received in the month of October 2023. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market eased off slightly as the average interbank rate dipped to 11.05%, and this was partly attributed to the inflow of government payments that helped to offset the outflow of tax remittances. In the meantime, the excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the cash reserve requirements decreased from 18.6 billion shillings the previous week to 16.8 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate declined from 11.34% the previous week to 11.05%. And during the past week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market increased significantly to 20 billion shillings, and this was up from 13.9 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 16th of November, and the central bank received bids totaling 50 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 208%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 45.3 billion shillings. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids totaling about 37 billion shillings were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 7.6 basis points to 15.36%, whilst the 182-day rate crept up by 2.2 basis points to 15.42%, and the 364-day rate ticked up by 2.3 basis points to settle at 15.63%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that as interest rates continue to rise, 
investors remained focused at the short end of the yield curve, where they can easily reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market declined by 17.5% during the past week. And in the international markets during the past week, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds were on a downward trajectory, with the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in June 2024 decreasing the most by 1.4 percentage points from 15.5% the previous week to 14.1%. And at the Nairobi Securities Exchange, during the past week, the equities market was on an upward trajectory, with the NSE 20 gaining the most by 3.7%, whilst the NASI, the NSE 25, and the NSC 10 gained by 1.7%, 2.4%, and 2.3% respectively. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 28.9% for the NASI, 24.6% for the NSC 25, and 12.1% for the NSC 20. The market's performance was mainly driven by gains recorded by large-cap stocks such as Bamburi, KCB Group, and Cooperative Bank, which increased by 28.4%, 20.6%, and 8.9% respectively. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by other large-cap stocks, such as East African Breweries and Safaricom, which declined by 4.4% and 0.4% respectively. During the week, the turnover in equities decreased by 72% to just $2.9 million as foreign investors remained net sellers with a net selling position of $500,000 and this takes their year-to-date net selling position to $288 million. On Kenya's national debt, the latest data from the central bank shows that Kenya's national debt as at September 2023 stood at 10.58 trillion shillings, which is in breach of the country's debt selling limit of 10 trillion shillings. The national debt is divided between domestic debt, which stood at 4.91 trillion shillings, and foreign external debt that is valued at $38.27 billion, which is equivalent to 5.66 trillion shillings, using an implied exchange rate of 148, which is way below the current market rate for the US dollar, which is trading at above 152 shillings. And up next is our topical issue for the week. And this week, we are looking at the IMF's approval of an additional $938 million for Kenya. The International Monetary Fund has moved to prevent Kenya from plunging into a financial crisis after confirming that it was mobilizing funds to help the country repay the 2 billion euro bond, which matures in June 2024. In its sixth review under the Extended Fund Facility and the Extended Credit Facility, 
the International Monetary Fund approved an additional $938 million and stated that the main reason for the intervention was uncertainty over Kenya's ability to refinance the 2 billion euro bond. Like many other emerging market countries, Kenya has been unable to access the international capital markets due to high interest rates, which are the result of persistent inflation and the consequent tightening of monetary policy by the major central banks across the globe. Despite Kenya's commitment to implement the IMF-backed economic program, the country is still unable to access the international bond markets due to the prevailing risk of sentiment in the global financial markets. In addition to the structural reforms, Kenya is also actively mobilizing additional financing from its development partners as well as commercial banks. The implementation of structural reforms, including far-reaching tax measures such as the doubling of value-added tax, has been blamed for the rising cost of living in the country. The reforms happening in Kenya today are reminiscent of the IMF's structural adjustment programs of the 1990s that led to increased unemployment and poverty levels and which Kenyans then derisively referred to as stomach adjustment programs. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, it's not just time that is passing by. It's your life. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.